Well, welcome, guys. Thank you for that unexpected song. Um, I don't think I've had that many people sing happy birthday to me at once. I didn't know what to do, if I should bow. Yes, I was born. Thank you so much. I worked really hard at it. I don't know. Really proud of myself. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be here, and I'm, and I'm happy that you're here. And I'm also happy that it's almost Christmas. Uh, it's such a wonderful time of year, and I just think that there's so many good things that fit with um, what Scripture teaches and this, this national and, and, and spiritual holiday. So it's a wonderful thing. So I'm happy um, all the way around, all the way around, I'm happy. Um, it was lovely singing with you guys. Thank you. Thank you for singing. Thank you for Matt and Abby uh, for, for leading us in that way. Um, we, if you notice, we have some decorations up. It is getting closer to Christmas, and we're excited about that, and it's a wonderful thing. Uh, we have a couple of things happening around here that are a little bit more permanent decorations. We're going to have some things happening this next week uh, with the stage. We're going to do some design things I'm really excited about, but don't worry. It won't interrupt Christmas. Christmas will continue on. Uh, we have some updated uh, shades that are being delivered next week, which is pretty exciting. So there's going to be some fun changes. And then in the new year, we're hoping to update some of the lighting in here so we can control the lights a little bit better and have a better experience. So um, I'm excited about that. Um, so it's, it's great. You know, this is the end of our series this morning, which I'm a little sad about that. So all these emotions coming out of me, I know. Um, this is our last weekend, and, and you know, it's a good topic we get to talk about. It's a topic that I think we all tend to think about from time to time. And, um, and I'll say this about this topic. There has been more distraction and I would say uh, a spiritual oppression about me speaking on this thing uh, than I've felt in, in a long time. Now, that, that doesn't mean much other than um, we really, really want God to speak to us this morning, and I really think uh, that, that He is, and it's going to be a good one. Um, this morning, we get to talk about the unbridled tongue, um, because the series is about what ails us and what makes us sick, and this is the one we're going to end on, and this is a big one. Um, and this topic um, is new, near to me because it has made me sick um, quite a bit, actually, in my life, and it's something that my, my tongue, the, what I say and how I say it, is, um, has gotten me, believe it or not, I know you guys are going to be shocked, it's gotten me into some trouble, okay? It's gotten me into a little bit of trouble. And, and if you've spent more than five minutes with me, you know I'm a talker. Right? You know this about me. It's one of my vis most visible qualities. Actually, it's not visible. It's audible. One of my most audible qualities? I don't know. You don't really see my words. Anyway, um, I, I spend a lot of time talking. Um, and you know, I really want to be a good listener. I really do. And you guys have to trust me on this, okay? Just trust me. I only say like a quarter of what I think, okay? Like I really am trying to keep it under control. Just trust me on that, uh, which is crazy. This is going to be hard. <laughs> this is going to be a hard sermon. I could just stand here in silence for 30 minutes just to prove to you I could, but that would be a little awkward, so I won't do that. Um, let me ask you a question. Have you ever said something that you regret? You know, it, yeah, okay, I didn't ask for hands, but that's good, that's good, I like that. Yes, you guys are ready and willing. Have you ever, now you don't have to raise your hand for this one because this is a little embarrassing. Have you ever asked a woman if she's, or when she's due, right? Yes, that's raising, and she's not due. Yes? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll raise my hand. I've done that, and I've only done it once. <laughs> Our tongues can get us into a lot, a lot of trouble. They can, 
Have you ever said something that you knew hurt, but the person you said it to kind of covered it up really quick? You let a zinger fly, and you saw the look on their face, and you went, oh, man, if I could, if I could have that back. And, and you apologize, and you apologize, you apologize, and it just doesn't seem to make it right. You know, like, words hurt is the point. They hurt, and, and, and I don't have to convince you that they do, because if I made you raise your hands, probably everyone in the room would raise their hands and say, yes, I have been hurt pretty badly by words. Sometimes it's not even a word, it's not even a sentence, it's a sound that someone makes. Have you ever had this happen? So she didn't know I was going to do this, but my wife and I were on the phone this week and we were talking about a spectrum bill. Yeah, you know the conversation. We're talking about a spectrum bill. Okay, so we use spectrum and, and I'm canceling services and so I cancel service and somehow, if you've dealt with spectrum, you know this, the bill got bigger after I canceled it. I'm like, how did... This is, how did this work? I don't know. So the lady's trying to explain to me, and, and I'm like barely even listening, you know, because I'm a talker. And, and so then I call my wife, and I'm like, okay, here's the bill, and, and we can't. She was like, I thought you canceled it. And I was like, I did. And she's like, well, why is the bill bigger? And I'm like, ah. And I gave her my best theory on why the bill was bigger. And I, I used all of the words that I have in my enormous vocabulary, right? I said everything that I knew how to say. And then she said, but wait, this doesn't make sense. And I made a noise. I didn't say anything. I made a noise. And the noise, I'm not going to repeat the noise. You probably imagine what the noise was. And it hurt. And, and, it's, and it meant something to her. And I went, oh, if I could just take that back. But I couldn't. And I hurt. And this is what happens in relationships. We, we have these urges and, and our tongue wants to say something. And, and sometimes we bite it and it doesn't. And sometimes we let it go. And it hurts and it hurts bad. The interesting thing about words is they're unequally weighted as well. Right? I can make a sound and cause pain. But if you've ever driven in New York City, people say things, right? <laughs> they just say things. And you kind of get the sense, I've only been down there a couple times in the city, and, and I've only driven once, and I'll never drive again. <laughs> I will walk if I have to. But, but people say things, and they just say things, and it's like, okay, they're just saying things because I'm a bad driver, and they're obviously upset about that. I'm sorry I'm a bad driver. And they say things, and it's, and it's not a big deal. But they're unequally weighted in the sense that, have you ever noticed that when, when someone says something that hurts or insults you, how many good words, positive words, does it take to make up for that pain? A hundred? Two hundred? How many does it take? It takes a lot and it's because words don't just mean things, they cause damage. They actually hurt us. And if I slammed my hand in the door, I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't matter, or if somebody slammed my, my hand in the door, it wouldn't matter if they said they were sorry, I'd, I'd have to go to the emergency room to get it fixed, right? That's, the, that's kind of the point. It's, it, they cause damage. It also matters on who says it, on who says it. If a perfect stranger shares with you their view on your driving techniques, it doesn't really matter that much, right? But if someone close to you says something really painful to you about your personality or, or about a choice that you made, man, you'll spend months thinking about it. In my earliest memory, a little boy that I met and was playing with, one of my earliest memories insulted me. And I could tell you what that little boy was wearing, how cold it was outside, and exactly what he said to me. I must have been 
four or five years old. That's how powerful words are. Another thing that we don't understand, I think that we underestimate, is our impact on people. We underestimate how much we impact. And and I'll say it, I think that technology actually helps us underestimate our impact because I can send a text and send it across the world. I can send a group text and everybody hates it, but I still send it across the world. I I could message you on Facebook. I could FaceTime you. I could do all these things instantly. And I think we undervalue or underestimate how impactful we are on each other. So you say something that maybe somebody mistook and you go, oh, it's not a big deal. It's, you know, they knew I was joking, right? They knew I was joking. But it can hurt. Or, or at a minimum, it can change their view of you. It really, really matters what we say. Listen to what Abraham Lincoln said about speech. Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. <laughs> he's crafty, isn't he? <laughs> Old Abe, he's good with the words. The Scripture talks a lot about the tongue. It talks a lot about what we say. In fact, there are too many passages, believe it or not, for me to quote in a 30-minute period. I lost track, I'm not kidding you, at 80 passages that talk about the tongue. Here are a few. Proverbs 15.4. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. We've all had our spirit crushed by words. Proverbs 21, 23, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. And I'll be the first to say I have not at times kept myself from calamity. Proverbs 18, 20, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That one's deep. It's a really, really big deal what we say. And I'll tell you, if we don't tame this thing, if we don't understand how to to rein it in, the tongue can split churches It divides families. It causes divorce. The tongue is at the heart of some of the most brutal pain this life can offer. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You guys remember that old adage? That's a bold-faced lie. Because they do absolutely the most damage. Tongue has caused war. It wreaks havoc on us. And if we let it go unbridled, it makes us so, so sick. I'd like to read you a passage out of the book of James. This is the half-brother of Jesus. Keep that in mind. I think it's important. We're going to read James 3, 2 through 10. told you guys this was going to be a good one. Where is that bookmark? There we go. James chapter 3, half-brother of Jesus says this, We'll start in verse 2 of chapter 3. James says, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. If we just stop right there for a minute. James is saying, if, if you could keep your mouth in check, it would literally control your whole body and you would be perfect. We could, we could just end there. 
Verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, and reptiles, and sea creatures have been tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. We have been made in God's likeness, or who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. James, half-brother of Jesus, doing what James does, he wastes little time. He wants you to know this is a big deal, and we are all guilty of the unbridled tongue. And if we could master it, we would be able to keep everything in check. Let's just paint a picture of how powerful the tongue is. Coming from the half-brother of Jesus, I've said it a couple times, that's remarkable in and of itself. Because of the tongue, James, at least in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, didn't believe in Jesus. We don't hear about James. He's not around. He's not talked about in the Gospels. Because of the tongue no doubt, because the words that his half-brother spoke were too much for him to swallow. You ever have a brother? <laughs> Sometimes they can be a little much. I think in my, in my brother's relationship, I was the one that was a little much, but we don't have to get into that. James didn't believe his brother. Then he believed his brother, which is mind-boggling, right? If you've had a brother, think about him convincing you that he's the Son of God and you worship him, Right? You hang on his every word, and he ministered in his brother's name because of the tongue, and he was killed in his brother's name because of the tongue. The tongue is powerful. James goes on to paint this picture even bigger in, in, in the things that the people of the day would understand, bits in horses. Have you ever seen a full-grown man ride a, a Clydesdale? <laughs> a full-grown man looks like the tiniest little person on a Clydesdale, right? Or, 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 the, or the racetrack. You see these tiny little jockeys, and they're flying along on these huge animals that are, that are capable of so much power. And they go exactly where the jockey wants them to go. Rudders in ships, same idea. This tiny little thing controls the whole course of this huge ship. A spark in a forest. And then James says the size of the tongue is remarkable. It's tiny. It's this tiny little thing. And it could keep the whole body in check. And then he says something peculiar. Then he says, it's so powerful and deadly, it cannot be tamed. So, I've just spent the last 10 minutes 
telling you guys how powerful the tongue is, and half-brother Jesus says it can't be tamed. We can't tame the thing. That's how powerful it is. We praise God and we curse brothers. That's a thing that should not be. It can't be tamed. If we focus on the tongue, we have lost the battle. And what I mean by that is we will never steer a ship unless we focus on the right thing. And I think James's analogies actually work this way, as well as describing the, the, the power of the tongue. He's, he's giving us some hints on, on what to do about it. We'll never control a horse if we're not focused on the right thing. If we focus on the power of the ship and the power of the horse, we're not going to control it. In order to bridle the tongue, our focus needs to be on what fills our heart. Listen to what Jesus, the good shepherd, says about it. This is Luke 6, verse 45. Jesus himself says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings up evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. And here's that famous line, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's scary. Just when you thought the tongue couldn't get more powerful and evil, Jesus says, you speak out of what you have inside. <laughs> That's the way it works. The tongue is really just a doorway. To what's going on inside. And this passage probably confirms something that we all knew already. It shows us that just tightening down our grip on the tongue is, a, is really only a temporary solution. And this is where biting the tongue, the concept, the idea, even the phrase comes from. It's this idea that it's kind of got a mind of its own, and if you literally just bite it, it'll, it'll stop. I've done it. I've literally bit my tongue. Like, do not say that. If we get ourselves to the point that we just don't say much, or, or, or if we get so disciplined that we keep our hurtful comments to a minimum, we still haven't tamed it. We still haven't fixed it. What is inside will eventually come out of us. Now, there's a better way to do this. There's a better way for our tongues to stop hurting each other. Our tongue is so dangerous, so powerful, that at times we literally have to bite it to get it to stop, but it's a temporary solution. And the way that Jesus is pointing to is interesting, and it's actually also, James, Jesus talks about it, and James talks about it, and I wonder if they ever talked about it together. James, later in, in chapter 4, talks about it as well, and there's a way to control this thing. There's a way to tame it. It isn't by force or by biting it. And I think this is something that we all can learn from. No matter if you've been a Christian for 60 years or more, or if this is your first day in church and you were saved last night, 
This is the point. To tame our tongue, we must fill our hearts with the thing that produces peace. And that's Jesus. It's what it's about. That's focusing on the right thing. We can't master this on our own. We can't fake our way to a bridled tongue. And I think the enemy would love for us to believe that if we just try hard enough, we can bridle it and control it. We can get it to do what we want it to do. We've got it controlled. That sounds a lot like what he said to Adam and Eve in the garden. Do you remember what he said to Eve? He says, it really, did God really say you shouldn't eat of that tree? And she says, yeah, he said that. Well, do you know why, though? If you eat of that tree, you remember what he said? You'll know good and evil. Why would you want God to tell you what good and evil is? Why don't, wouldn't you want to just know that for yourself? Wouldn't you want to control that for yourself? And then that last line, and you will be like God. Yeah, let's just try to control this thing ourselves. Don't you want to be in control of it? Don't you want to wield it the way you want to wield it? Wow, that's a slippery slope, isn't it? But the truth is we can't tame this evil. The only way forward is the path of Jesus. To tame our tongue, we must fill our hearts with the thing that produces peace, and his name is Jesus. And if we don't, if we don't do this, if you're in your seat rolling your eyes, maybe, maybe your heart's eyes, about how serious this thing is, this is what will happen. This is what can happen. Two things can happen. You could believe that you're justified in running your mouth, and this is the crazy thing. You can run your mouth in Jesus' name. <laughs> and a lot of people that have done it, and, and, and I've been guilty of this. I let this thing go unchecked. I'm not concerned about it. And I can run my mouth in Jesus' name. And I have caused untold amounts of pain. That's the first thing that can happen. Second thing is we think we can fix it, right? We think we can get a handle on this. And, and we focus on managing a sin that can only be dealt with by Jesus. And if we make a little progress... It strokes our ego a little bit. Yeah, I got, I got a pretty good handle on this thing. I haven't said anything bad in like two minutes. It's great. <laughs> Look at me. Well, oh, shoot, I just ran my mouth. I've seen this pain delivered by Christians to unbelievers. And I've seen the look on the unbeliever's face of, what? You call yourself someone who loves and, and, and supposedly acts out of love, untold amounts of pain. I've seen Christians do that to non-Christians. I've seen Christians do that to, to Christians. I've seen that pain right here in this church. Yeah, I want to go there. I've seen that pain dealt by my own tongue to you. And the things that I've said, and I can see the look on your face, and I go, oh, man, that hurt. I've hurt some of you so much that it hurts me. <laughs> and I've seen it done to each other. I've seen you do it to each other. 
and I've seen the pain that comes out of it. And the truth is, we all struggle with this. The only solution is to fill ourselves with Jesus. And out of our heart that is filled or being filled through our mouth will come peace. And that's the beauty. Isn't that just like Jesus? <laughs> to take something that's so capable of so much destruction and turn it into deliverance of peace. James 4.7 says, James says in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. And then the most beautiful line, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Ah, that is beautiful. And if you want to know what it looks like and what it sounds like when Jesus lifts you up, Paul talks about it in Galatians 5.22. This is what happens when you're lifted up, when you've humbled yourself and you've submitted yourself and the Lord lifts you up. Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. Forbearance is all the stuff that I say, and you just bear with me. Just give me a second, right? That's forbearance. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and even self-control. That's what happens when we allow ourselves to be lifted up, and we don't try to fix this thing on our own, but we give it to Jesus as He says. To tame our tongue, we must fill our hearts with the thing that produces peace, Jesus. This is how we do it. And we can't get this order. We can't get it out of the order. James doesn't say resist the devil and then submit yourself. No, no. Bad things happen. Guys, I've done it. Bad things happen. You submit yourselves to God and then you resist the devil. And he will lift you up. We have to submit our tongues to God. We have to submit them to the authority of Jesus. That's the first thing. We have to say, listen, I, I can't control this thing. I can utter a sound and it causes pain. I can't control it. I've tried, I've got scars on my tongue from where I've bitten it, doesn't help. I have to submit it to Jesus. And by doing that, I begin to fill myself up with him. The more I submit, the more I'm filled the more I submit, the more I'm filled, and out of my mouth comes peace. And then when somebody says, wow, what you're saying makes me feel so good, I can say, listen, I'm just the mouthpiece. He's the one speaking. It has nothing to do with me. I just submitted. We submit our tongue to the authority of Jesus. We commit to doing hard work by making those things line up because we always have this, this other identity that we're struggling with and where instinct is to, to let that one go and, and let our, our mouths run again. We submit our tongue to the authority of Christ and we commit to doing the hard work. And this is great. This is a great way to end a series because we get to take communion this morning. It just so happens it lands on the first of the month 
the, 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 when we're ending this series. And the beauty about taking communion is it's a public declaration that we do not have it figured out. It's a public declaration to say, listen, we need Jesus Christ's death and resurrection in order for us to function. That's the way that this works. And I don't know if you've thought about it this way when you take communion, but what you're saying, and you're saying it publicly, you're saying, I need help. I am so messed up, I cannot even find my way on my own. I need help. And I take this as a symbol of me, of me needing Jesus and what Jesus has done. And we get to do that. We get to do that together this morning. It's celebrating communion. We're saying that Jesus is the answer to what ails us. He's our hope. He's our righteousness. He's our rock in times of trouble. And when we are filled with Him, our tongues are not only tamed, they produce the fruits of the Spirit. In Him lies the only way to tame and bridle our tongues. So we partake in this public submission. <laughs> We're publicly submitting. And if you've if first time here, you've never done it before, this is the way we do it. I'm going to read a passage and then I'm going to pray, and then as the music plays, I would let the Spirit stir you. And when He stirs you, listen to the Spirit. When He stirs you, you can come forward, and you can take at either side here, and if you have dietary restrictions, it's on that little table over there, my left, your right. When you're done with that, sit and just soak up the Spirit. Just let Him wash over you. Let me read to this passage. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26, For I've received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. I'm just a mouthpiece. I've just given you what I've been given. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And this is why, this is why we do this. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I love that picture. That is us proclaiming the Lord's death, what he did for us because of his love for us. But it doesn't stop with his death. There's hope there. He's coming back. He rose from the grave and he's coming back for us. And that's so hopeful. Let's pray together. Jesus, it is not easy to use this tongue to speak your truth. And Lord, I'm reminded by this passage, by the words that Paul wrote down, that I cannot use my tongue to speak truth if you're not doing it inside me. And Lord, what you did on the cross is a reminder that I don't have it figured out and I don't have it put together and my tongue is untamable without you. 
And God, I ask that this symbol that we take today would be a public statement of submission to you. The admittance that we have sin in our lives, that we need your forgiveness. And Lord, that's who you are. You died for us so that we could have true life and forgive our sins that we've committed with our mouths, Lord. I'm sorry for what I've said and what I've done. Thank you for dying for me and thank you so much for dying for us. And Lord, as we take these communion elements, let it be an act of worship that is pleasing to you. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen.